1: The holidays are always a big source of anxiety and temptation for people who are in recovery. We also wanted to do an episode on what things to watch out for, share some of our anxieties, and share some of our tried and true tips. We all have very different families and traditions, so we've gathered what we think is a great mix of folks in this episode to try and share several different perspectives. We really hope you enjoy our conversation and that you find some value in it.
0: Remember that every time you hit like or especially subscribe or follow, it lets the podcast platforms know that you think we've shared valuable content here, and other people that might benefit from our podcast will be more likely to see it. So, we are here tonight with Chris, Zoe, and Steven. Do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Chris, I'll maybe have you go first.
2: Sure. Um, I'm Chris. I'm from San Diego, California, and I have four months and three days sober.
0: Awesome. Thank you for being here tonight.
2: Thank
0: you.
3: And Zoe? Hi, I'm Zoe. I'm 28 years old. I'm a married mom of two, and I am one year and nine months sober. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you.
0: And then Steven?
4: I'm Steve from North Texas, and I I think I have 106 days sober.
0: Awesome. Cool. Thank you guys all so much for being here with us. Mm -hmm. No matter how long we've been sober, the holidays can throw us for a loop. So many of us have to cope with family drama and pressure, parties and other social situations, being surrounded by people drinking, romanticizing about celebrating with a drink, and the question we all worry about getting asked why aren't you drinking? So let's talk about it. Let's talk about facing the holidays sober. We have some folks here who have made it through the holidays, at least a couple of times, and others that are facing their first holiday season sober. So what is or was hard for you? What makes you nervous? What do you expect this year to look like? How are you planning for it? And if you've been through the holidays before, What did you learn?
2: Well, because I got sober in June, just this last June, I have not gone around. I haven't gotten about to the holidays yet this time around. But a time in the past, I got sober. I had a really horrible Thanksgiving where I drank so much that I got sober the day after, which meant that I stayed sober through Christmas And I was, I just kept saying to myself, why did I pick the holidays to start, you know, the stopping drinking process, but I made it. I think the part that makes me nervous is that it's not just about the parties and people asking me to drink. It's the fact that I start feeling the stress, like right around Thanksgiving about, you know, like, am I going to have enough money for gifts? And, you know, I'm going to be seeing family and how is that going to make me feel? And so the stress of the holidays sometimes is what makes me want to drink, not just the facts about the parties themselves. So I don't know if anybody has any ideas about, about that in particular. That's what I get nervous of.
3: I'd love to, if you're like feeling nervous about the up and coming holiday season. I know that I got sober after the holiday season, but it was a big birthday season for our family. So birthdays and holidays kind of were like hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But for me, like coming up on holidays, I set a lot of boundaries that has been like huge in my sobriety. Like if I start feeling overwhelmed about something, I'm like, okay, I'm overwhelmed. I don't feel good why do I want to do this event? Why do I want to involve myself with these people? And I kind of just kind of take like a deeper look at that and decide, is it really worth my peace of mind to continue or try to do whatever is coming up? So setting boundaries has been like real vital for, for me in the sense of easing my worries when it comes to staying sober and maintaining that sobriety.
0: To, kind of jump off of that. If you get into, I know the stress of finances during the holidays is a lot. And I think we can even set boundaries with our finances. We can say, here's how much I'm going to spend. This is how much I can afford to spend without it causing me extra stress or extra anxiety. And that's it. That's the number that you pick. It It's really easy for us, just like with every other part of our lives, to try to meet everybody else's expectations and try to be as good as or as big as or whatever. And, you know, we've had to let go of that in every other part of our lives or we're working to let go of that in every other part of our lives. And I think that has to go with gifts and, you know, with with all of that, too. I think we have to be able to set those boundaries Acknowledge what is comfortable and acceptable to us. And that's what we give to other people, which is easier said than done. But I think that's probably the best way to approach that. Maybe. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts?
4: I think you're right, Julie. I, Being the older guy here amongst you all, I I have less pressure, I guess, because of that. And even though there are a lot of things that make me self-conscious, it wouldn't be to tell someone that was coming over and they wanted to drink. I it, Fortunately, I, I can have people drink around me. It doesn't trigger me or anything. So I don't, it doesn't bother me. I'm lucky that way, I guess. But I, and I can have my little sober NA stuff if I want it. But setting boundaries, like what you're saying, we have some younger nieces and nephews and stuff like that. And once they got to a certain age, we're not giving them, you know, presents anymore. A lot of people feel obligated. Oh, I've got to send everybody, every relative. You know, no matter what their age. Well, I think after a, you know, I mean, it could have been earlier, but I mean, after about twenty-three or four, I, you know, sorry, you don't need to be sending. You could send a card. I mean, but you don't need to send everybody a gift. And like you were saying, you you make a, you make kind of a conscious choice, and you, the people that are really important, and you can also make a, a joint gift present. You know, not that anyone needs food products, but they, they offer nice, nicely displayed things that you can send to the whole family. And it kind of eases a little bit of the burden rather than getting individual stuff. And, you know, I'd rest a little bit. Do I want to give alcohol or wine to anybody? I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me to do that, but I don't know if I'm contributing to their issues. Not that I know that any of the people that I would do, do that for in theory are having a problem. And I could certainly do it, but knowing that now well, how I feel about alcohol, I don't know if to sit there and be on my high horse and, you know, or or maybe I'm not being on a high horse. Maybe it's just being, you know, why, why I can give them something else. I don't need to give them alcohol, which they can go buy on their own if they really want. So maybe that's, you're helping me clarify, just thinking out loud here. Do Do I, do I really want to give that out to someone when that's not really probably something I would want.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of like, a, would I buy this for myself? I mean, is 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 it that good of a gift? And really, in the end, it's, it's like, okay, I'm going to buy them something that's not good for them at all. They might enjoy it, but it's not good for them at all. Would you buy them a pack of smokes if they were a smoker? Probably not. I know I wouldn't give that as a gift. It's essentially kind of the same thing, isn't it? How do
0: you look at it that way? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, so the I quit drinking for 14 months the first time around, and I was, I was four or five months sober around Christmas time. Nobody in my family knew that was a, a thing. I just, I never told anyone. My brother gave me a bottle of wine for Christmas, and I think that's kind of an interesting point to bring up, too, is when we receive alcohol as gifts, if people don't know, I live like an hour away from... My parents, that's where we had Christmas and I had that bottle of wine in the back of my car all the way home. And I just remember all I could do was think about that. The whole drive home, there was wine there. My husband was out of town. Nobody would know. And I mean, I went circles and circles fighting with myself about what I was going to do with it. Well, I can't dump it because that feels like a waste and it's a good bottle of wine. And maybe I'll save it for my husband for when he gets home, he can enjoy it, but then I'll feel bad and I'll miss it. And it was like just this constant circle just because there was a bottle of wine in the back of my car. That's a hard one to deal with because if there is anyone in your life that doesn't know that you're not drinking, it's such a common gift. It's an easy gift to give to anybody if you don't know them very well. you know. So yeah, that that was an interesting experience for me. That was one of the many times that I was like, yeah, I have a problem. This is, definitely a problem
1: (laughs) yeah I was given a gift of a bottle of whiskey because they didn't know that I had a drinking problem okay of course and it's out there in the house this is not like it bothered me but I did the same thing and as you're like talking same thing it's like it's a good bottle of whiskey like I could give that to someone and it would be a gift for them like wait a minute right I so wanted to pour that sucker down a drain. And and like my wife at the time, just she took it and she ended up giving it away. She gave it away, not me. And I was like, where is this thing? I was so ready to dump it. Just no, I'm not giving this to anybody. It's just not worth it. I don't want to. That's where I was at with it. I'm like, I don't really care anymore, but I don't think I would give that gift either. I think I would probably now. Now I would probably give that gift back and say, "This is uh, I don't drink. You might as well keep it. I'm not gonna. I think I would just say it. I think that's what I would do now is just c- come clean and come out. I'm not afraid of my alcoholism. Of course, here here we are on a podcast.
4: So <laughs> I think I I think I would just I would just say it. You know, Steve, you brought up something. I'm sorry if anybody else wanted to say something. It's something kind of related. Go for it. Uh, you know, that I think it's Mark Twain that said, if, you, if people think you're stupid, but then you open your mouth and you remove all doubt, I think that's attributed to him. It, maybe this isn't exactly similar, but I saw somebody writing on that IAS app. In this app, you can comment to other people because I don't know what the other sobriety apps are like and try to give them encouragement and support. And somebody had asked, I'm really having a hard time saying no at parties. Uh, You know, I've been telling people, I've stopped drinking for a little bit. And I'm going to tie this back into that quote, is that someone wrote, and I thought it was very well said, don't fudge around the edges here, rather than tell them you're thinking about stopping drinking or you're stopping for the moment, just tell them outright, I don't drink anymore, because otherwise they'll ask you questions, oh, well, why why are you, why are you stopping? Or when are you going to begin again? Or, you know, whatever it might be. But if you remove all the doubt, they can't, you know, what are they going to say? Uh, Are they going to challenge you? You know, what, you shouldn't be stopping drinking. I want you to drink with me. Or maybe somebody would, but I don't think that's the majority reaction. I think they just kind of walk away. And maybe you'd lose, uh, maybe someone would think you're strange, but who cares? Uh, At some point, I guess that's the age I'm at. I don't, uh, you know at some point maybe those people will be be using their heads and thinking wow that person told me something i couldn't believe they said that and you know it might be a month later but they might come back to you oh you don't drink anymore how did you do that how did you mm-hmm. how are you able to you know control that i think
1: one of the big things going into the holidays that most people I know I thought about it I didn't I, I was at the point when I went through Thanksgiving and that was about I'm I'm in Canada so Thanksgiving I was about 6 7 months sober and Christmas would have been a couple more months after that so you know hanging around 9 months 9 and change it was not so much the fear of saying no because all of my close family really close family had knew already i had told them but and i knew they were drinking and I, and they were always careful very careful around me just just because but i think it's important it's like you make a good point i think we tell ourselves that everyone is going to care a lot about whether we're drinking or not and really in the end if exactly what you said i don't drink it it kind of it just removes all doubt And there, I mean, it's open for them to ask a question again. After that, you could just say, just don't drink. You don't have to. We feel, I think we feel like we have to explain and justify ourselves all the time that this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. This is, you know what I mean? And we don't at all, unless you feel like it.
2: Yeah, I heard something. It's so funny. I just heard it today, actually, and I'll give credit where it's due. Um, It was on the Annie Grace podcast that someone said, you know, what do you what do you say when someone offers you a drink? And the answer she gave was people don't like to hear the word no. So instead of saying no, say, like, would you like a drink? Yes, I'd love a glass of water. I'm just so parched right now. Yes, I'd love an iced tea. I could use a little pick-me-up with the caffeine, you know? So you're still giving them that yes. And then I think whenever I'm a hostess, when someone walks in the door, that's when I ask them if they want a drink. After that, I don't ask anymore. Like, it's up to them to get their next drink. I'm not going to, like, I'm not a bartender, you know what I mean? I'm not a server. So I just figure if I ask the person one time... Then after that, I kind of let it be where they figure out where everything is and they help themselves from there. So if you can get that first question done, then you're pretty, you're doing pretty good.
1: I love that. Owning the word drink. When you said thats I'm going to own the word drink when someone offers me a drink and I'm going to define it for them. Yeah. This is what drink means to me. Yeah. That's cool. I like that.
2: And then I love my bubbly water and I know that a lot of people don't always have that or what I, the kind I like, I like LaCroix. So like I bring it with me, you know? And so I'm just like, Oh, I got my drink. It's right here, you know? And then just show me where the glasses are. Show me where the ice is. I'm all good, you know? And then, then I'm all set up.
3: I'd love to expand on that. Cause I'm also a bubbly drinker.
2: I love bubbly and
3: LaCroix. That was like my first sobriety crutch, if you will. Like, That got me through my first couple of months. So I always would bring drinks with me whenever I go somewhere. That was like my emotional support water. (laughs) I would just bring it with me. I was like, as long as I have something in my hand, I can avoid being asked, oh, do you want, do you want this to drink instead? And I don't have to feel anxious. Granted, I stayed away from social settings for probably about the first, like, I want to say 2 3 months. I was really really selective with that because I was very angry when I first quit drinking. I like I was angry at alcohol in general. Whenever I'd see someone drinking just where it was everywhere I noticed it all of a sudden. So I just kind of like avoided that for a little bit. But when I started bringing myself out in social settings and it was always like holidays, I think St. Patrick's Day was my first and that's a big, big drinking one in my family and I remember just bringing a bunch of LaCroix and being like, I'll just put it in a koozie. No one's going to say anything and if my family does say something, I'll keep it brief. So I can relate to you on that. I think bringing a drink when you have the opportunity to at get-togethers, especially during the holiday season, is a great way to, to open that conversation too in a, in a less threatening way.
0: So. I think too, it helps to show up with enough for you and enough to share so that you're not the weird person who shows up with one six pack of LaCroix because you know that you're going to need it, but you bring a couple of cases like, no, actually I brought some stuff with me. Here's a bunch for everybody. You know, it just makes it slightly less awkward. I know going back a little bit to what Steve said, one of my biggest fears this past Christmas was like, my parents didn't know yet that I had quit drinking or why. And I was sure going into that day, like I felt like I was just, I was like walking into the gauntlet, like they are going to realize I'm not drinking. They are going to ask why I'm going to have to like stand there at the dinner table and be like, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> like, I had this all planned in my head, how I thought it was going to go because I I was at least at a point where I'm not going to try to fake it or BS my way through it. Like if, if they're going to ask, I'm going to be honest. I was so sure that that was going to happen and we made it all the way through the entire Christmas meal, gifts, everything with my whole family. Nobody even noticed that I wasn't drinking. I was always the one who was there. Like I'd show up with three bottles of wine and probably drink two of them. And, nobody even noticed that I wasn't drinking, not a single question was asked. And I think it's funny how we work ourselves up into all of this this worry and stress and play all of these possible scenarios out in our heads that just make us more and more nervous. And then you get there and you're like, oh, nothing happened. So That's just a good, I think, testament to all the stories that we create that could possibly happen they're not doing us any good it's a lot better just to go into it and be like i wonder how this is gonna go you
1: know attend the event with curiosity Mm -hmm. it's never gonna go the way you think it's gonna go it didn't go christmas didn't go the way i thought it was gonna go i spent i i spent two months before christmas working on my fears. That I had about Christmas, the social interaction with my family, the social interaction with my wife and my family and what I was going to say, what I thought everyone was going to say, what I thought I couldn't say, how like there was I had a lot of internal tension going into it that I hadn't really externalized. And it took me a couple of months to work through what my actual problem was going into it, at least breaking free of the stories that I was telling myself about how things were going to go so I could try and have an open mind, so I could try and show up with curiosity.
2: I just happened to have um, the last week I hosted my nephew, his wife, and his three kids at our house, and that's the first time I've ever spent time with them all sober, And I asked my nephew's wife, I'm like, do you notice they know I'm not drinking? And I'm like, do you notice anything different about me since I'm not drinking? And first she said no. And I'm like, she goes, why, what do you notice? And I'm like, I notice I can spend more time with my great nephew's Without like getting bored or just, you know, like I love them. They're like five and six, and one of them's just a baby. But I would have to force myself to like play with them because then I wanted to go off and drink, you know, and you can only like focus on so much when you're drinking. But it's kind of cool that now when we spend time, you know, with our family and the holidays and stuff, hopefully in our friends hopefully we can have more conversations and remember them and like really enjoy the moment. So that's what happened for me last week. I was thinking if I focus on that for the holidays to just like keep the focus on the people instead of the the fact that I am or not drinking.
3: I personally love that. I have a 11-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter. And I've noticed in the holiday seasons that I've been sober. I'm more present and that has is filled a lot of the voids that I used to try to use alcohol to fill. I'm healing my own inner child by, by working on myself and by spending time with my children because a lot of my childhood was surrounded by drinking. My whole family is big drinkers. So being able to give my children a childhood that I would have loved to have and being able to just remember it all is huge because especially Christmas I can't tell you how many Christmas eves I'd spend all night drinking wrapping gifts and the next day I'd be hung over and it's like how there am I really if I'm just focusing on my head's hurting I'm not taking pictures I look absolutely awful I can't make conversation with anybody so I think it's really important when you feel those types of things, when you start to notice that positive change, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm enjoying spending time with my family again. Like those are absolutely the the things that you cling on to when you start to have those doubts creep in around this time of year.
0: I think one thing that I was going to bring up is I think it's easy to go into any part of this wondering and like Steve said, approaching everything with curiosity. I, Was so worried that it wasn't going to be fun, that I was going to be uncomfortable, that I was going to be socially awkward, that like I had all of these, these worries and concerns. And, you know, am I going to feel like I'm being left out because I don't get to celebrate with a drink? And I can't remember who told me this, but it was, it was really simple. Just accept that maybe it will kind of suck. Maybe it's going to be boring. You don't know. But you'll also survive that and you'll be okay. If you don't go into it and give it a chance from start to finish, you're not going to have any idea what that would actually look like. And reality is nobody ever wakes up the next morning and regrets that they stayed sober. Like, You can go all the way through Christmas day or Christmas Eve or whatever that, that family time is, and it might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but if you just decide to go ahead and see it all the way through, see how you feel the next morning, and then you'll know for next year, you know, and a lot of that is that whole procrastinating or just putting off the decision until tomorrow, or in this case, putting the decision off till next Christmas, like it's not going to kill us to make it through one Christmas, a little bit uncomfortable or maybe a little bit bored or maybe feeling a little bit left out. And you're pretty much guaranteed to wake up the next day and just be really glad you didn't drink. I remember kind of having to talk myself into that. um, But it was a really good mind trick.
1: You're definitely going to wake up a lot less uncomfortable. Zoe explained it really well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
4: I have a question for you all. Do you, uh... If you have family over, rather than going to someone's your, you know, your relatives, if you have family over. And in my case, I have three adult children. My youngest is twenty-one. My oldest is twenty-six, and he's got a fiance. He's probably spending, in this case, Christmas with them. And I'm not sure what we're doing for Thanksgiving. They're, they may be doing things on their own as well. But I have been in the past. Uh, last year even when I was trying you know I, there, were, there were many times I was trying to give it up and I remember what, at least one holiday it must have been last Thanksgiving it wasn't I was drinking just non-alcoholic stuff but I bought alcohol because I knew some of the other uh, my, my son and fiance did and my youngest had just turned 21 so I was you know bought stuff for them but I guess in that case I could have even if I was offering it, I could have limited it. So once it ended, it was over and have a bunch of cider and non-alcoholic stuff around that. And, you know, whether it's uh, some sort of uh, seltzer water or club soda or whatever it might be, LaCroix or Perrier, whatever, you know, have that around so people could still have something to drink, but not, you know, once the other stuff's over, it's over. And that's kind of the dilemma that kids that drink and then, you know, I don't have, obviously have, you know, some things I regret that because I was in the midst of my, you know, drinking stage, although it wasn't had hadn't completely gotten out of control at that point. But I, I'm kind of thinking outside too of of limitations and when to say no. Like if you go to somebody's house and they have or they're having a lot of stuff. And maybe it's it's harder to do with family, but you could certainly do this at parties. I mean once people start drinking and they've had a lot, it's had Have your exit plan in place. Like, okay, hour and a half, two hours. If it's getting sloppy and I'm seeing it sloppy, we're going to have an excuse. And there's a little wiggle of the nose, and that's the the signal to get the hell out of Dodge here. And we're going to we're we're leaving or something. I mean, you kind of can have those kind of plans in place to to leave and exit. And uh, I think those are helpful because you know you've got that backdoor escape. You don't have to feel like God, I'm going to be trapped here for how many hours this goes on because you don't have to, even if it's family, I think, Oh, I've got something where, you know, we we wanted to see some other friends on the all, and it might be true as well. I mean, you, I don't, I'm not advocating telling, you know, any kind of lies, but I mean, if you've got to protect your sobriety and there's something you feel like you need to to say to to exit and makes it easier for you. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, you just say you need to get home, you've got pets you're looking after, you've got something's going on and you're, you need to get back or whatever. Yeah. Most people aren't even going to ask after two hours. So just, oh, really? Okay. Or whatever. I don't know what they're, you know, if they're heavy drinkers anyway. Not.
1: Yeah. Generally speaking, for the most part, I don't think, I mean, you you made the effort to show up. I don't think you'd probably hear, Oh my God, we missed you so much. Like sometimes we think, Oh my God, I'm." Uh, there's the fear of missing out. And then there's the fear of, Oh my God, they want me here. So like you, you think you're more important than what you actually are. I like to say that because sometimes that's what I think that that's the story I tell myself and you know, you get up, you leave, you showed up, you made the effort, you did everything you could, you left. And then they still have their, their time. And You had yours. You're good. I don't know that I've ever heard in 19 months now, oh my God, uh, you left early. I missed you. So like, I think it...
0: A lot of that too is just, you have to know your limits. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to listen to your inner self. When your inner self is like, it's time to go. You don't doubt it. You don't question it. You don't say, self, we're just gonna stay one more hour. You just accept it that that's time to go and you go. And I think that's that's necessary. We have to do that. And I think we have to do that when we have people over too. If you're comfortable buying a few bottles of wine and, having, and everybody else sharing those, and that's not gonna be hard for you or make you uncomfortable, then that's great. If it is going to make you uncomfortable, it's perfectly acceptable if you're having them to your house to just serve mocktails or whatever it may be. I think that if they're in your home, you get to hold your own boundaries there and not feel guilty or feel bad for it. It's We all have different triggers. We all have different things that we're able to handle and not handle. I think we just need to be really honest with ourselves as far as what that is and then honor ourselves and our own needs when, when it, the time comes.
1: Is anybody really nervous about any family interaction? Like drama or anything along those lines? Um,
4: not, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: You go right ahead.
4: I was just saying I told everyone in my family knows and I've told my mother recently that I'm an alcoholic. And she's supportive. She's just wor—it's worried her. She's older, and it's kind of she's that was news to her. And so I—I I don't have the same, I guess, needing to kind of come out and tell people. I'm, you know, I mean, I'm and a f- good friend of mine that i uh, hadn't seen in a while that we've been doing stuff together. Fortunately, he doesn't drink anymore, so it was easy for the, me to tell him I was an alcoholic and I stopped and. So I'm, I'm lucky that way, but I, I understand that can be really tough with, you know, if you have a lot of friends that are drinkers and you're going to go see them, they, they may not know who you are at, at this point in your life. And that's probably as a conversation. And if they're good friends, they're, you know, I, I think, you know, I hear this back and forth. Some people say you can't have friends that are drinkers. I don't know. I think if you, if they respect that you're, you're not drinking and you can, Stay for the amount of time you can before they're getting—it's a problem—and they're still interested in hanging around you. I, I don't know why you couldn't, but I know a lot of people feel like they lose all their drinking friends. And I know that probably is a case-by-case basis that a lot of people—you uh, know, hey, you don't. You know, maybe they only had that in common to drink, and so maybe the holidays—you know—is a tough reminder that your, your friends aren't who you thought they were. I don't know.
3: I can confirm that most of my friends are are drinkers, are still drinkers, and some of the friendships are not as solid as they once were. But all of my friends who are truly my friends and family that support me, they our relationship is still there. The alcohol for a long time I thought like it clouded my judgment and thought that that's what made me like interesting and that's what connected me with people. When in reality, it was really hindering every aspect of, of the friendships and of the times that we spent together. So I personally, in my experience, I still hang out with my friends. I'm not triggered by my friends who drink. And when it comes to the holidays, my dad's also sober. He's been sober on and off since I was 16 years old. And he got sober again after I got sober probably two or three months into it. So when we go to family events, my dad and I will um, drink non-alcoholic beer. We'll swap whatever we bring. So it's been bonding for us.
4: That's
3: great. And, but the rest of my family, my thing is I have an exit strategy because when my, when my mom or my aunts and uncles start to get sloshed, I will look at my husband and be like, all right, it's time to go. Like, we've we've come, we've hung out, it's starting to get annoying. <laughs> like it's it's time to go, so I think like the exit strategies is big 100%. I think it was Debs
0: on a previous podcast that we recorded talked about she would when she arrived at a party or a gathering, she would thank the hostess for having her. Tell them how much it meant to her, how happy she was to be there, and also let the host or hostess know right then, right when she arrived, when I feel like it's time for me to go, I'm just going to go ahead and go. I'm not going to worry about saying a bunch of huge goodbyes, but I'm really grateful to be here. So she's already thanked them before mm-hmm. she, it's time to go. So she doesn't have to hunt them down. And then you you can avoid the, oh, but we'll miss you and we're, you know, whatever, and and the friend who is at that point sober is like, yeah, of course, no problem, completely understand. I thought that was a really good way to approach that, especially if the people in your life know that you are sober and that it could be a struggle. Just let them know up front, hey, I might have to go, and I, pretty much any good friend's gonna honor that. But I thought it was a really really good approach to just start mm-hmm. out with that when everybody's still sober before everybody's started drinking a bunch. That's brilliant.
3: I've never thought of it that way. Like just get it out, out of the way before things get chaotic. So you can just have like an Irish goodbye and just, yeah. just for the night. That that's wonderful.
4: <laughs> because you thanked them already. Then you know, That's a great, that's such, such a great idea. Deb said yeah. you've already appreciated them in, in person and said how much they mean to you. And this was great that you got invited and then, you now you're, you're free. You're not encumbered to have to, like you said, Julie, hunt them down. And, mm-hmm. and now they're probably going to remember you enjoyed it versus you say it to them, you know, when they're sloshed, they're not, they're, they don't even know what you said. <laughs> right.
1: Julie, I think what Deb shared with us on that podcast pretty much nails it. And I, I think it, it has more meaning, too, when you say it right at the beginning. And it's something that will be remembered even when you do the Irish goodbye, like Zoe was saying. So I want to thank you guys, Chris, Zoe, and Steven, for spending time with us tonight, sharing your stories, sharing your thoughts. I really appreciate having you guys on tonight. Thank you for your time.
3: Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you, you guys.
1: Thank you, guys. We'd also like to thank our listeners for sharing space with us. Remember to subscribe or follow to keep getting new content. And if you have any comments or topic suggestions, email us at throughtheglassrecovery@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'll see you next time as we continue to explore life on the other side of alcohol.